Hi there. Thank you so much for tuning into my podcast, The Happy Apple. I'm Katie King, also known as The Balanced Nutritionist, and I live in Brisbane, Australia. Guess what? Healthy food and striving to be healthy in general should not be boring or stressful. This podcast is here to remind you that it can be both nutritious and delicious at the same time, and that you need balance in your life, not perfection. If you love my message, don't forget to follow along on Facebook and Instagram. You can also check out my online courses at www.courses.thebalancednutritionist.com.au. You can book a consultation with me at my website, www.thebalancednutritionist.com.au. I do everything via telehealth so we can work together no matter where in the world you are. Enjoy the episode and don't forget to subscribe if you love it. Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of the Happy Apple Podcast. Uh, My name is Katie King and I'm based in Brisbane but I consult um, Australia-wide via telehealth and I apologise that the podcast has has had a bit of a hiatus for the last month or two but I'm lucky enough today to be joined by a guest um, called Matt who I recently recently connected with. He's also a health professional um, based in the same area as me, and um, I'll let Matt introduce himself. So thank you, first of all, for coming on the podcast and tell us a little bit about what you do, Matt, and and what you believe in. Lovely. My pleasure. Um, Well, basically, I talk to people for a living. I'm I'm actually a personal trainer. Um, I've been a personal trainer for coming up to 12 years now. Uh, Worked in and around many different sort of gyms and environments and with many different populations of people. So I've seen people uh, from all walks of life and what I kind of believe in is fundamentally that exercise is medicine. Okay. That we can really use it to fix a lot of issues in people's lives. Awesome. Mm. Okay, great. That's um, very aligned with my belief around food as medicine as well. Mm. So um, that's you know obviously why we connected because we've got a lot of similar values and ideas around um, a healthy lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Um, so what do you, a little bit more about you, what's sort of your favourite thing about your job? Or maybe there's several. There's several things there, really. Um, again, a big thing is just you get to be a part of positive change in someone's life mm-hmm. or in many people's lives. Um, you get to help break through plateaus. You also get to help sort of reduce ailments in people's lives so they might have a bit of pain or they have uh, range of motion issues and things. Mm-hmm. And that can be both short-term and long-term. So I get to see, you know, in maybe in one session a client will come in and we'll do a few exercises and they have immediate relief of pain or they have immediate increase of range of motion. Mm-hmm. Or it might take a few weeks or a few months, but they eventually get there. But you get to be part of that. And that's a really awesome part of my job. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. Love it. That's fantastic. Um, so you and I both probably see, see similar clients with similar goals. They're all looking to be um, a healthier version of themselves, I suppose. Um, and you probably come across a lot of people um, who are thinking about starting on the journey towards a more healthy lifestyle. As a personal trainer with some of, you know, with the level of experience you have, mm. What insights could you offer as far as you know the biggest hurdles or even mistakes people 
make when they're first embarking on a journey of you know of better health and better fitness again there's a few points there i think number one is trying to take or trying to bite off far more than what you can chew mm-hmm. um, realistically change is hard particularly when it comes to the physical side of things like actually changing the look of your body the strength of your body and the capabilities of your body yeah and that's going to take a, quite a long time for, for most people yeah and I think a lot of people go this go into it with the, the expectation that it's going your body's going to change overnight and it doesn't yeah um, and because of that it leads on to not sticking with it long enough because mm-hmm. it is quite a hard process yeah um, it's a hard process from going from you know where you might be you might be a bit overweight or wherever you want to be to somewhere else mm-hmm. um, and it takes a bit of time to get there yeah the other issue that I see with a lot of people is not seeking any guidance mm-hmm. or not getting any sort of instruction or any structure around what they can actually do mm-hmm. nothing wrong with you know trying to try it yourself like make the small changes and other things mm-hmm. but if you've got the resources there and you've got the people there and they're not with the knowledge of what you need to do there's nothing wrong with actually talking to them about it yep and actually using that as a tool to get where you want to be quicker yep no. Okay, great. So I think one of the reason why reasons why we did connect in the first place was because we probably found that we were both on the same wavelength as far as um, getting people on a journey to being better off. Yeah. Um, and a, you know, a couple of things that you said definitely, <clears throat> you know, I, I'd like to add to. Mm. One of the things that I find is. You mentioned how people have sometimes an unrealistic idea of getting very fast results perhaps or they begin a journey and they're frustrated because things aren't happening quickly. Mm. But, you know, I always try to bring bring it back to people and say, well, you know, how long has it been since you've actually felt this good? So if you're working with someone for three months, I don't, I don't know, I'm sure this happens to you as well. Three months into eating better, I know someone feels a lot better, a lot more energetic, um, a lot functioning better from a digestive perspective. Their physical body might have changed for the better. And I think sometimes we, you know, we all need to remember that we got somewhere in a certain amount of time, it might have taken 10 or 15 years mm. since we felt good. So if you can feel that much better in two or three months, then that's a great reason to stick with things for the long term, isn't yeah. it? Correct. Yeah. I was going to ask you that question then. So if you've obviously you had a lot of clients who see the change within three, you know, three to six months, mm-hmm. what happens with the clients that don't see the change? What do you do then with them? Or have you had that? I don't know that I could honestly say that, you know, I've, I've never had a client not see some degree of positive change in three to six months. Mm. I guess it's a good question. I guess it's relative to everybody, you know, like sometimes I might gently try to remind somebody how far they've come and they may think, oh, yeah, but still it's not enough. Yeah. It's not enough. But sometimes I think that's, you know, th- this is really difficult to, to for probably difficult for some people to hear, but sometimes when people come from that place of it's still not enough, I still haven't changed enough, I'm still not good enough, mm. 
nothing will ever be good enough you know like that's that's the, the reality I really do think like I think it comes from a place of just accepting where you are yeah. and and that can be really hard for some people like that whole acceptance of I am who I am right now and even though I'm not exactly where I want to be I'm still you know I'm still accepting of my body I'm still accepting of the things that it can do mm. um, if we don't come from that place I think that results in this kind of disconnect with I'm making progress but it's still not enough so I'm just going to give up yeah yeah does that make sense it does make sense yeah yeah I guess I can add to that as well is that I one of the places I used to work at was Sporting Wheelies. Um, oh, yeah. Which is the, the Disabled Centre. If you want motivation, go there. Yeah. Um, because obviously those people deal with spinal bifida, they deal with spinal injuries, so they'll have they'll lost the use of their limbs, their legs, or their, or their hands. They'll be in there two or three times a week. And they've been, some of them have been doing it for you know, five, 10, 15 years plus. It's the best part of their day. Yeah. Um, and so their motivation is that they get that 1% better. They yeah. get that 1% better, even if it's every year, they get that 1% better. They have that, or they retain the movement that they have. And so that's their motivation for them as well. And so you're coming back to the normal populace, people who you know are, are able-bodied. I agree with what you say there as well. If you get to a certain point with someone, it's kind of like establishing a, re a relationship as well. Mm. If you get to a certain point with someone and they're just not seeing it, what you're doing for them may not be the right thing for them. Yeah. They might need to do something else, which is completely fine. Um, not everyone needs to be in the gym lifting weights. Mm -hmm. You can do other things. Yeah. Um, you can just move your body. What, lifting weights is just an easy way to build muscle and to do other things as well. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I think, you know, that probably comes back to the that we were talking before about, you know, the biggest hurdles to starting and keeping an exercise or a fitness or a better eating lifestyle going mm. one of those hurdles i think is potentially like before doing that i really do think people need to just stop and take note of where they're at yeah. and just accept this is where i am mm. it's not really where i want to be but i'm still okay with it i'm still grateful for what i have and what i can do and then when you come from that place, every single improvement is like, oh, this is great. You know, it's a celebration as opposed to a punishment of, oh, you know, like I'm never going to get there. I'm never going to hit my goal. I'm never going to be able to lift this. I'm never going to be, you know, good enough because that's that story that, you know, we can get yeah. wrapped up in. One thing I, I, I'll add to that is that a lot of my clients, when they're in the training sessions, they go, you know, why isn't this easier? And I go, well, the training's not supposed to be easy. It's never supposed to be easy. And I'll always make it harder relative to your fitness level. But if I gave you the same workout that you were doing six months ago right now, it would be easy. Yeah. So you've got to go perspective there. You've got to shift the perspective a little bit as well for some people. You go, yes, it's not hard, but there's a reason why it's not hard. A, you're not getting your money's worth, and B, you're not going to get anywhere if it's not hard. Yeah. It's not challenging you. But if you look back to where you were, you're a lot fitter and you're a lot stronger mm. than where you were. Isn't that funny because there's so many fitness gimmicks these days that are advertised as almost like, oh yeah, you won't even feel like you're doing exercise. Yes. Like those things you can stand on and they make you wobble and they're yeah. supposed to give you a 15 pack or something. Yeah. Like. <laughs> and then people wonder why they don't work yeah. because they're not really 
doing anything if you're not feeling anything, no. are they? No. Yeah. They, I guess they're giving you the the extra incidental exercise, if you want to call it that. Yeah. But it's very, very low level sort of stuff. It's the stuff where you're sitting down doing a cycle on the floor or something like that. Yeah. And again, you know, not bad for circulation, not bad for sort of medical issues as well. But if you're looking to lose, you know, 20, 30 kilos, it's probably not going to get you over the line. Yeah. Well, not maybe in about 10 years' time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And also, like, something that you just said, um, uh, you just said something around that, but I was going to come back to it. That's right, it's gone out of my mind, but we might circle back to it. So, on the, you know, the exercise front, um, because, you know, a lot of people ask me about um, exercise, just general recommendations, and, you know, I guess, I'm not qualified to give exercise advice, but the... I am, I am definitely qualified to encourage and motivate people to start moving more. Um, what are some benefits to exercise that people may not be aware of? Because I think often we think, oh, gym, personal trainer, big muscles, lifting weights, six pack, like that's the flow on effect. But what are some things that are unrelated to that that most people wouldn't even know about? Sure. Oh, two come to mind. First of all is mental health. Um, yep. It's just, we know there's so much research behind about it that exercise, particularly sort of like moderate to hard level exercise, has the same effect as sort of moderate level antidepressants mm-hmm. on the mind. So it's such a, a powerful thing, such a powerful tool to have in your belt that has very minimal side effects. In fact, if the side effects that you have are all beneficial, most of them at anyway. The other thing is also the appetite side of things, this is probably something you know as well, is that if you're exercising hard, yes, you do feel hungry, but it also, in other modes of exercise, you can actually uh, reduce your appetite and also reduce, this seems to be the effect of that you reduce your your want for super sugary, super crappy foods. You want the foods that are yeah. nutritious for your body. Nourishing. Yeah. That's interesting. Mm. Have you seen any actual research around that? I have. Okay. I, can't, I can't name a paper for you, but I can get that for you. For yeah, that yeah. would be really interesting because I've never seen any research around that. Mm. But I know, like for me personally, it definitely like when I'm in a flow, when I'm, um, you know, I, I run my dog most days and I, I do a bit of Pilates and stuff like that. When I'm in a really good flow, which is most of the time with movement, um, I definitely eat, you know, I choose better foods. Mm. Whereas, you know, I'm a nutritionist, but I'll admit, you know, like if my exercise goes down the gurgle, I'm go, you know, I'm going for, I'm choosing foods that aren't as good for me. Yeah. Um, and I've definitely heard clients will say to me, oh, you know, when everything works together and everything's good, then I'm great. You know, when I'm training and when I'm doing this, but then when, when my exercise falls off, I feel like my eating falls off. And yeah. I had always thought it was... It was more to do with that whole dopamine um, release that we get from exercise, so the mental health thing that you spoke about. Because I know for me, um, you know, like I even say to my two-year-old, I've got to go do my... We've got to go take the dog for a run because, you know, mummy will be cranky. (laughs) She doesn't because it's my mental space. Um, And I always thought that was to do with that dopaminergic effect. But that's really interesting that there's actually been a paper around... Mm. And I guess it makes sense, like, in, a, in an innate way, your body knows what is good for it. Yes. So if we come back to that idea that, you know, if you've done a, a lifting session, then your body's probably going to be craving, you know, protein-rich foods and, you know, fruits and vegetables that are rich in micronutrients and that sort of thing as opposed to yeah. sugary 
stuff. Exactly. Well, you look at what you're doing with exercise. When you're, when you're on the bar doing squats, you're breaking down your body. So your body needs the nutrients. It needs its energy to build itself back up again. Yeah. And to become back stronger again. And it knows that. Yeah. So it's, it's going to seek the stuff that's going to give it the most nourishment, as you said. It's not going to seek empty calorie packet of chips or something like that. It's going to, it's going to seek something else that's high in protein, high in the right carbohydrates, high in the fats as well. Yeah. 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 Cool. Yeah, yeah. we might try and find the paper and link mm. it into the notes. So, um, and you know, another thing that um, I think women in particular... Uh, obviously being a personal training a lot of personal trainer a lot of the stuff you do with people is help them to lift mm. yep yeah um, what would you say because I know that there's this idea sometimes amongst women that oh you know lifting will make me bulky mm. what you know what would you uh, what are your ideas around that or your, your response I suppose depending on on how you lift and what you lift and what you eat as well like if you're not eating eating in a calorie surplus, which most women aren't, and no. most men aren't, most not, women are eating a big deficit. Yeah, yeah, then you pretty much have no chance of putting on, on bulk. Like you'll get your, um, I hate using the word, but your tone up. Yeah. Um, but you won't bulk up. Mm. And the other thing is that when you are lifting, yes, you testosterone things, your hormones spike, but you still nowhere near the same levels what a man has as well. So men generally, it's easier for us to put on muscle. Yes, yeah. what we're kind of designed to do. Mm. Whereas in women, it's more, it's harder. Um, you still have, you still have the spike in, in the hormone that will elicit that growth, but not to the same extent as what you can see in a man yeah. as well. Obviously, there's differences uh, between people, between sexes and so forth, but yeah. Mm-hmm. So my response to that is, it depends what you do, and it's depending on what you eat as well. Yeah. So if you're not eating a, a huge calorie surplus, and you're not just doing hypertrophy training all the time, then no, you're not going to bulk up. Yeah. Good advice. Um, I remembered what it was that I wanted to mention before. Um, It was interesting, the the point that you made before about um, exercising, it's never going to be easy because Mm. you always want to challenge yourself, Mm. right? And I think that's also another important thing to consider or an important thing for people to consider who might be early on in the, the, the journey that it's good to come at the journey from the perspective of I'm going into this and this is going to be like just what I do now hmm. not I'm going to do this for a little while yeah. and see what happens and I guess having that awareness that it isn't going to get easier but perhaps you start to fall more and more in love with the challenge correct yeah yeah because i know from a nutrition perspective i can absolutely like hand on heart say that you know i a lot of clients come to me they might work with me for a year and then they just drop off Mm. and honestly the reason they drop off is almost always because it's too there's a few different ways you could say this, but it just, it gets too time consuming and too, they feel like it gets too hard mm. to eat better. Yeah. And it's a really tough one mm. professionally because mm. I don't, for me, the time is worth it. Mm. 
maybe I'm lucky because I have pretty much put effort into my food since I was 13 years old. Sure. Like, so for me, it's a habit. Yeah. I just make that time. But, you know, it's that awareness that when you're starting on this journey, like it, it's not as though you'll do it for a while and then, oh, you know, the, the magic fairy comes and preps your food for you or they come and do your grocery shopping twice a week so you've got fresh fruit and veggies. Like it's these little things that usually derail people, not the act of eating better or exercising itself. Does mm. that make sense? Yeah. yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, it's one of those things where sometimes I think the, the pace of life we live at is, it is difficult for people to make space. Oh, of course. For that well-being. 100%, yeah. I think uh, two points to that is that, yeah, you will, ma- you will always make time for what's important to you. Yes. Um, the other thing, however, it's almost opposite of that is that you do need to look at your lifestyle and you do need to look at what you can actually, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, what you can commit to, certainly when it comes to exercise as well. Mm. So if you're saying you've got two kids, you're like a single parent, you're working a full-time job, whatever it is, and you're trying to do work out five times a week after not working out at all. Yeah. That's going to be a big step and you're probably going to derail yourself pretty fast. Yeah. Versus if you're trying to get in maybe one or two extra workouts in the week and then yep. doing some other stuff around the house, a bit more incidental exercise, that's a bit more of a smarter move. And that comes back to where you would pro- probably see a health professional about this as well. And you go, you know, realistically, what can you actually commit to? Like yeah. You, you've only got this amount of time in the week that you can commit to. Yeah. So if you do this and then you can start building on that as well, yep. this becomes more important to you. Yeah. And, you know, that is so true. It's just a shame that, unfortunately, sometimes realistic advice isn't glittery. Do you know what I mean? But, you know, I mean, I'm certainly known for, like, being a no-nonsense nutritionist and I'm not, like, one to promise crazy results. And, you know, obviously I value that about your approach as well. Yeah. Yeah. That's the thing is that it's... You're dressing something up that is quite hard. So you're making big changes, the nutritional or exercise stuff. As a, again, as a professional, you do want to have the no-nonsense approach, but you also kind of want to make it, dress it up a little bit, going, look, yes, it is going to be hard, but it is going to be worth it yeah. for these reasons. So mainly for exercise, it's going to be, the sessions are going to be hard, but you're going to feel great afterwards, and you're going to fit in the clothes that you want to fit into as well. Yeah. And then you're also not going to die walking up a set of stairs. Yeah, which is always a positive, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah, and you know, still being able to squat at 35, yeah. you know, which is good. Yeah, yeah. and um, you know, it's funny because what you said about um, the mental health side of exercise, um, we didn't compare notes before this podcast, but um, uh, for nu- from a nutritional perspective, definitely the one thing I feel people are totally unaware of is that eating better will make their mental health so much better Mm. you know really addresses the root cause of what's going on Mm. and it goes far beyond you know oh too much sugar gives you brain fog or too much sugar you know causes you to have a a total mood relapse it's beyond that It, it goes to the level of you know if you're choosing better foods you're actually getting the ingredients for healthy neurotransmitters and healthy levels of dopamine and serotonin and all of that so it's it's not some kind of sketchy woo-woo medicine it's actually 
we have to give our body certain nutrients to have good mental well-being. So unfortunately, I think we're a little way off treating mental health really, really holistically. Like I know in some countries that, you know, they actually prescribe exercise and nutrition, which is amazing. Mm. But hopefully that is some, you know, the direction we will start to head in. Yeah. Yeah. Certainly a lot of my university studies, that's the direction we certainly, we, we try to take it. Yeah. It's a lot of, certainly through the ACSM, ACSM guidelines, which is the American College of Sports Medicine, they have that in there, which is that uh, moderate level of exercise, I believe it's three times a week, um, is a, as if it has the same effect as the moderate level antidepressants or mental health. Yeah. yeah. And it makes sense because, like, we weren't designed to be sedentary. No. And we weren't designed to eat stuff out of a packet. So if we just move back towards a lifestyle that is more aligned with what we're designed to, mm. obviously we're going to feel better and function better. Yes. It's, you know, on a, a very basic, simplistic level. Mm. Yeah. Um, I had one sort of final question. Mm-hmm. Um, what... Maybe you could tell us a little bit about you know, you're, you obviously you work at Drive Fitness. Yes. What sort of sets your work apart, specifically you as a personal trainer and Drive Fitness from, say, other personal training studios or other places that somebody could go for an exercise program? Sure. I think uh, this actually ties together with both of us. So I meet the client where they're at, and I really work hard to do that. Um, and Drive Fitness also does that as well. Like we, we don't just jump into sessions, we don't just jump into training, it's actually identifying the client, talking to them where they're at, and we adjust our approach as we go as well. Um, for me personally, I'm always fascinated by people, I'm always fascinated by what makes someone tick, and how I can get down to the root, root cause of, of things, and also what I can get down to what drives people as well. So if I can identify that, I can write sessions, I can do programs that help them up in a much better way as well. Um, Drive Fitness does a very similar thing, but we also have a lot of group training sessions and boot camp sessions as well. Um, And I think that's a really good approach there as well because we have that good team element, we have the good social element as well. It comes back to being, you know, exercise is hard. If you do it with a friend, it becomes a lot easier because it's a bit more more of a social element as well. Sure. But a lot of drive fitness and a lot of what I do as well, it's a lot of, okay, this is what we want to achieve. What systems can we put in place to, to get there? Ah, yes. Yeah. The atomic habits. The atomic habits. <laughs> Coming yeah. back to James Clear. <laughs> yeah. So, but it's, it's been a continuing thing. And this has been, I think drive fitness has been around for about 16 years now. And I've, they've kind right. of always operated like that. It's sort of, this is where we want to get to. This is what we need to put in place to get there. Let's yeah. focus on this to get there. Great. Yeah. Love it. All right, well, we're basically at the end of our um, session now, Matt. So <coughs> thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. And um, if you've got any questions for um, Matt, if you're a listener, um, is, there, is there anywhere that they can reach you? Do you have an email address or something, or is it just the hello at drivefitness? Just hello at drivefitness.com.au. Fabulous. Yeah. And I'll put that in the show notes. Um, hopefully you guys really enjoyed today's podcast. Uh, thank you once again for tuning into the Happy Apple and um, I'll see you next time.